Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast, brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network, and by BetterHelp, professional therapy with a licensed therapist. You deserve to be happy. My name is Cameron Tebtabai. Welcome in, Alex Goldberg, Dr. Justin Quinn, and our guest today, Anna Horford of the Horford Happy Hour podcast. Anna, how are you? I'm doing really well today. Um, it's been a good day. The sun's shining, so I'm good. Yeah, I have, like I said, the opposite experience where I technically had a snow day, but there is no snow on the ground. So <laughs> also doing well. The sun is not shining over here. Uh, I'm looking at, I wouldn't describe it as snow so much as just like sleet, rain, blah, nothingness falling on the ground. So weather's not as good for us, but we're trucking along. I'm on spring break. So things are okay with me. Yeah, I can, uh, if we're going to keep talking about the weather uh, here in Mexico City, it is also cold and rainy, uh, but I am, you know, pretty happy. Cool. Fantastic. Anna, we did not bring you in for a weather forecast instead. <laughs> um, you and I and Alex and Justin as well have offered kind of like similar commentary on Twitter, which is, hey, everyone, let's relax. This is sports. It's supposed to be fun. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to play a game related to adult beverages. So if any of our students are listening... You can just hit pause and you don't need to listen to this one. Uh, but Anna, first, because it's March Madness and the NCAA tournament starts technically today or later later this week, uh, we wanted to ask you about your experience either when Al was, you know, doing his thing with Florida. Um, if you're still a fan of college hoops, what does what does the tournament do in the Horford household for you and for the whole family? Yeah, so it was a lot different when I had brothers playing in the tournament because my brother John has played as well and went to the national championship as well. So it was, we have a really like weird, unique connection to the tournament. Um, our family being there uh, in the final four and national championship three times. So it's always been really fun. Al's Gator days were insane. I wish that I had been a little bit older to kind of like, enjoy it in a more like adult way um just I mean the memories I think are something that are so special and so meaningful and seeing him on that stage and like just being like the proud sister and I remember having a sign and at one point he was uh -huh. on the stage and I was holding the sign upside down um <laughs> and he you know he kind of like told me to like he's like you gotta flip it around flip it around and everyone was like um what's Al doing and then and then the camera kind of panned over to me and I'm holding the sign and I'm so excited and um yeah so so it's just it's been an awesome experience I haven't really watched the tournament much since um you know uh, my brothers haven't been playing in it but I know that it's something that you know a lot of people enjoy and and it's a really cool time of year for me, as a Gator alum, uh, I had a very weird experience going to UF. Uh, I missed your brother's time there by a few years, I think just maybe one year, 2010, I started grad school, but he was still quite popular on campus. Uh, I was less popular on campus because even though the, the Gators <laughs> are my number two team, I'm from Connecticut, so the Huskies are my team. And I was oh. on campus when Florida and the Huskies went at it. Uh, let's just say I was the least popular person in the bar. <laughs> uh justin i went to university of pittsburgh when kemba walker went to yukon uh, yes. so no one here likes yukon um anna mm -hmm. maybe you don't have an answer to this if al didn't go to florida do you know where he might have ended up 
Well, I don't know how many people know this, but he actually committed to Michigan oh. um, before committing to Florida. And it was really exciting because we're from Michigan. That's like our home base. And that's where our brother John ended up playing um, a few years later. So yeah, he actually did commit to Michigan before Florida. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Justin, it seems like you did, but news to me. Uh, for folks who are fans of the tournament, Celtics Lab is hosting a bracket. Um, you can go to our Twitter page at Celtics Lab to hop into the action. It's free. The NCAA is not a partner for this. Uh, CBS is not a partner for this, but we thought it'd be fun. We're going to give away a hat. Um, so Anna, if you want to win a hat, you can hop in and fill in a bracket if you'd like. Exciting. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to talk about, uh, I guess, resetting the vibes is what we've We've labeled this, but first, let me tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. Massachusetts, listen up. The wait is finally over, and FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is live in Massachusetts. A new customers in Mass can get in on the action and win $200, not win, get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston. Finally, you can bet on all your favorite sports from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. So uh, let me interrupt you before you get any further into this. I actually tried to check out the app and I could not. Uh, I'm in Mexico City, so I think that might have something to do with it. Um, I'm understanding that you actually have to be physically present in Massachusetts to make your first bet. Yes, you have to be 21 and older. You have to be in Massachusetts. Dr. Quinn is speaking from experience, but that is an important mm -hmm. thing that we're supposed to tell you. Um, Did you check it also, out? Also, uh, I have checked it out. I... I've checked out in other states because in other states it was legal. You just need to be present in the state. But now I'm president in Massachusetts and March Madness kicks off in full, I guess, tomorrow. But really, yep. uh, we'll do it live this weekend. And I've got $5 in my pocket. I just turned it into $205 on FanDuel using uh, this wonderful giveaway, fanduel.com slash Boston. So uh, I'm pretty happy about that. There's an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to get $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and make every moment more on America's number one sports book. Must be 21 and older and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem. Hope is here. Gambling help linemass.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. All right, Anna. Like I said, basketball is fun. It is fun when your team wins. It's a little less fun when they lose. It's realistically a lot less fun when they lose the way they did last night. But the Boston Celtics are 47-22. They're the second in the East. They're very much so in the mix to go back to the finals. Um, so let's talk about kind of where we're at, we'll kind of wag our finger at, at people uh, with overblown criticism and whatnot, but let's just go around the horn. Where are we at? Like, let's just like emotionally level set. So Anna, where are you at with the Celtics? I mean, I'm definitely not panicking like half of our fan base. I think that it's interesting because around this time of year, every year, people start to get like really panicky, really touchy about things and me and my siblings at least just kind of sit back and we're just like, um, like we're going to be just fine. So I feel pretty chill about the Celtics. I think we have a great team with great chemistry. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not in panic mode at all. Alex, where are you at with the Celtics? 
You know, I think so much of where we're at with the Celtics is reflected by just kind of the realities of the NBA in March, which is that it is very much a dead zone where people are kind of just waiting for the playoffs to shake out, especially if you're already a high seed like the Celtics are, one that doesn't really have to worry about grinding to make the play-in tournament or things like that. Um, There is a lot of air in the schedule and a lot of room for people to kind of I don't want to say coast because I don't think the Celtics are coasting, but I I do think that there's less of a sense of urgency. And maybe that's something that needs to ramp up. I don't know. I think it depends on your perspective. But I think I am in the same place that a lot of uh, the Celtics are right now, which is let's just kind of get this thing to the playoffs and get moving. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly worried either. When we're watching the game and there are, as we have seen, some fairly repetitive issues playing down at teams and, you know, letting that kind of get the best of them, uh, playing the bad version of Missoula Ball, which we can talk about a little bit more momentarily, then, you know, it's very frustrating, but this is the number two team in the NBA. There is a problem with just about every contender that you can come up with except for maybe the bucks and you know you can even say that going as hard as they have uh banged up as they kind of are that there's a price to be paid that may be collected later on in the postseason so you really can't say anything definitive about how things are going to shake out in the postseason all the decisions that have been made by this front office and to at least the the majority i think we would agree uh among the, the coaching staff has been understandable to admirable uh, at at worst. So it's like, what are we really complaining about other than having to sit through something we've sat through before that is, you know, frustrating? And if I could just jump in really quickly, I think this is not just a problem that is um, specifically for the Celtics. (laughs) I think it's a problem that is affecting the league as a whole. And it's something that has been affecting the league as a whole for a while, which is the reality that after the All-Star break, And prior to the play-in tournament, there is a long stretch of the season for which uh, many teams kind of don't view those games as particularly important. And I think prioritizing health and kind of gearing up for a deep playoff run is a completely logical and reasonable response to that kind of stretch of doldrums between, you know, March and early April, particularly when teams, uh, you know, as the Celtics have, have a lot of players who have already logged really heavy minutes. I think this is less an issue with the Celtics and more an issue with just kind of the general structure of the league and the schedule. The NBA really has not as a product figured out how to make March basketball work all that well. And I think they need to take some time to kind of think about that uh, a little bit more effectively. It also has it that I've said this before, like, it's okay if the Celtics aren't great, as in they're not on, like, a 68-win pace. It's okay that they're flawed. They can still be a really, really good team that's going to really show out in the postseason and, you know, blow games against the Rockets. It's it's not uncommon for teams that win titles or go to the finals to look mortal during the regular season. They don't have to look like Michael Jordan's Bulls. Um, so let's get a little more specific about some of the things and and it's interesting and I, I'm sure you've had pushback to this too I think you and I both have in different ways said but on Twitter I mean if we're talking about Twitter uh hey look everyone I think you need to relax and people have said to 
fairly enough. I like being high energy about my team. I like being intense about my team. It's fun for me. Um, and I guess I can't deny people that. Have you had a similar experience when people maybe push? I know that you get way worse animosity on the internet than I ever do, but um, has anyone, you know, given you reason for pause for this like holistic idea of like, it's fun. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think this year, I don't know if it's because people don't want me um, going against what they're saying publicly, but I haven't had as much negativity in my um, mentions as I have in past years. And so I think a lot of fans, like, you know, they're not, they're not panicking as, as much um, as they had in the past. And I think that like just speaks to our team and how solid we are this year. Like, yeah, things haven't been great as of late, but we're going to be fine. So, so yeah, I mean, and I just, I don't like that approach. I think the negativity is draining. It's not what our guys need to see. You know, the, the few guys that are on social media, like that's the last thing Mm -hmm. they need to see is, Uh, their own fan base like just trashing them like I just I can't stand that and I would never do it Um, but to each their own I guess if they want to be miserable they can be miserable I don't think that there's much point in being overly critical of this team to the point where as I was saying earlier like all the decisions that have been made to make the team what it is now were all very good decisions to at least understandable decisions based on the parameters what was available like yeah, they didn't go out and get Jacob Pirtle, but did they really have the, the the tools to get what was being asked for in that particular instance? Or if you don't like how Joe Mazzula is coaching the team, which if you don't, I don't think you're really looking at the important stuff that's actually, you know, mattering this season. But let's just say you think that he's not the man for the job. What are they going to do about that now? You know, who are they going to get? Like, what are reasonable things that can be done to change what the team is doing? Which, by the way... Is still very good, other than again these really annoying hiccups. Yeah, that's a good point too. I, I don't know. I just feel like I I see a lot of commentary around let's fire Missoula or bench Smart or Jalen Brown's going to go join the Orlando. Well, benching Smart just... is a perfectly acceptable discussion point. It might rumple some feathers, but I mean, why can't we discuss that? It's not being overly negative. I think it's the fire Missoula people that I'm talking about. Yeah, that's. A- ridiculous he's done such a great job this year and not only that our guys really like joe and they trust him and i think if like they're trusting him we should trust him as well and i mean it speaks for itself look at our record he's stepped up in a major way in a horrible situation you know from the beginning of the season um i do not understand any like slander towards him at all and to that point, you know, it's it's a combination of what all of you have said, you know, regardless of whether you're slandering, slandering Joe Missoula or not, the record is clear. He's going to be the Celtics coach and he's going to be the Celtics coach for the foreseeable future. They just gave him a huge extension and Jason Tatum, the franchise guy, the number one most important dude in the room that you have to get buy-in from, gave his stamp of approval for Joe Missoula before the season even started. Like, regardless of what you think of Joe, and I think, you know, I am one of the most aggressive Missoula defenders online at this point, but regardless of what you think of Joe, he's not going anywhere. It's not going to happen. Like, what are we doing here? While we're on the subject, are there any other overblown hot takes or criticisms of the team that we want to nip in the butt? 
Um, I'm sick of the timeout stuff. This is an example of one. I think there, there's kind of like a trickle down aggregation thing that happens that's that, you know, a few permissible takes get put out there and then people just recycle the same garbage over and over again. And it's like, look, we get it. He has a different, well, one sec, Justin, he has a different strategy, but at the end of games when, oh, wait, the Celtics have three timeouts and they needed all of them to actually tie the game and go to overtime or something like that. Hey, maybe there, there's proof in that pudding and maybe like sometimes you have to pay the piper. So sometimes the timeout thing might be frustrating, but the, I don't know, in the same way that like, oh, Tatum's only 19 shtick got really tired really fast. Missoula doesn't use his timeouts. We get it. We've all heard it. We can move and he on. does use them now. It's not even a valid criticism anymore. Like sometimes he botches one, but like all new coaches do, and sometimes even very experienced coaches do. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, the three pointers, like yes, we get it. There's like he's being a math nerd, blah 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 blah. Like no, he's not. He's being a very good coach. It's produced very good results. And when people criticize the too many three-pointers thing, they don't mean too many three-pointers in the game. They mean too many three-pointers in the context of they aren't going in right now. Let's get a couple other baskets easily and then keep shooting threes because that's a good shot when they're open. Yeah. And the other one that kind of jumps out to me is, um, so lately Marcus Smart has had a little bit of a bad stretch and we kind of briefly addressed this. He's he's had a couple of tough games. I don't think there's any doubting that. And I think if you ask Marcus himself, he would say that. Um, but at the same time, the idea that we are suddenly going to like send Marcus Smart, the reigning defensive player of the year to the bench, and suddenly that will open everything up and change the Celtics offense and make everything work better is ludicrous. Malcolm Brogdon is having a great season as a six man. That is what he signed up for. That is his primary purpose there. Derek White and Robert Williams have been doing a nice job shuffling in and out of the starting lineup. Both of them are ready to go in whatever role they need. Marcus is still the captain. He is still the heart and soul of the team. I, if you ask me today, like, who are the starting point guards I want in a ride or die playoff series? I'm still going to answer Marcus at the very top of that list. The playoffs have shown us over and over again, this guy shows up when it matters in huge ways. And if he's having a couple of bad games in regular season in March, I don't think that is cause for putting him on the bench. We've seen over and over again that he delivers in big moments. He's just having a bad stretch. It happens, folks. Let's move on. Anna, any you know narratives that you disagree with that you want to shut down? I mean, just the distrust and smart and, and Joe, I think those have been um, two big ones as of late. And and yeah, Marcus is clutch and he is going to come through for this team. And I mean, look what we did last season. And for us, I think the important thing is getting these bumps out of the way now. We're learning, we're adapting. Like there's not much more you can ask for. I'd rather them do it now than, you know, in, in the playoffs or in the finals. So, so yeah, I mean, I think, I think people just need to, to stick by our guys. We're going to be, we're going to be just fine. All right. Well, we didn't set this up, but that's a really good segue to um, actually an ad break. Um, so let's pause the action. I want to talk about our new sponsor here at the Celtics Lab podcast, BetterHelp. So uh, I'm a teacher. So I see people, you know, change a lot in their teen years. But I think we have a misconception that once you, you know, go to college that you're set in your ways. And that's just that couldn't be further from the truth. Every few years, your brain changes a lot and your circumstances change a lot, too. I mean, life can get hard. You start a new job. 
start a new relationship, you leave a job, you leave a relationship. And when these changes occur, sometimes we're expected or we think we're expected to handle them on our own. Um, and BetterHelp is a service that provides uh, easy and accessible therapy that can support people like that. Um, I've re been re-watching The Sopranos and it's just so interesting to see how they set up therapy because that's not what therapy looks like. Maybe it was in the nineties, but it's not anymore. It's, it's, it's way less intense and it's way more convenient. It's way more calm. It's way, I think more personal with respect to the Sopranos. Um, and I think BetterHelp is a really great service for that. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, you should consider giving BetterHelp a try. It's all online. It's made to be convenient and flexible and to suit any schedule. You start with a questionnaire to get matched with a therapist, a licensed therapist, and you can switch if you need to with no additional charge. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take on take you on that journey of self-discovery wherever you are and discover your full potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash CELTLAB, C-E-L-T-L-A-B today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash CELTLAB. All right. Back to the action. Um, a few more things in the, the state of the vibes, I suppose. Although that, while we're being curmudgeonly about things that need to stop, I think we use the word vibes too much, just as a culture. Um, but we'll but talk about Would you replace vibes. it with them, Mr. Uh, Kill the Vibes? Yeah, the arbiter of slang. Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't. We haven't decided. Let me meet with the council right. <laughs> report back. Uh, okay, a few more things on that front. And then Anna Horford, the host of the Horford Happy Hour. We have a game because we got to practice what we preach. We got to bring the fun. Um, what's something with the Celtics that we need to celebrate more, enjoy more, appreciate more. And I'm going to go first because I don't want anyone to steal this one from me. Starts with a Blake and ends with a Griffin. It is so fun to see Blake Griffin having fun, to see Blake Griffin back in the fold and helping a team um, and occasionally playing really high level basketball. I think he would agree that the way he plays basketball is a little different than it was, but that doesn't mean he's not a good friend to his teammates. Doesn't mean he's not a, a great person on the court. And I really liked rooting for Blake Griffin back in the day. He has recently been on teams that didn't seem like they were that fun to root for, but Blake is back and it's amazing. Um, so the thing that we need to appreciate more, and again, I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I got to talk about it. Not you guys is Blake Griffin. Anna, what's something Celtics fans need to appreciate more or enjoy more uh, regular season or postseason? I think something that we kind of take for granted is that our team has such good chemistry and that they actually enjoy being in each other's company and they're not just teammates, they're friends. And that chemistry translates onto the court. So many teams lack that. Like so many teams don't have that. These guys are like ride or dies for each other. And that is, you know, that's what makes a championship team is a team with really great chemistry that, um, you know, they actually like each other and they're always looking out for one another. So so I think that, yeah, the fact that our guys and and especially like with Blake coming in and even, you know, Mascala being here, like our guys, like they're all fitting in so well. And I think the Celtics environment atmosphere is something that is so easy for people to gel into. And I think Blake has even said that in a couple of interviews. And um, so, yeah, you can't take that for granted that it's, it's so important um, in regards to success. Alex and Justin. 
Uh, I'm happy to go next. You know, I think speaking on just an individual level, a guy who maybe is not talked about as much as he should be that has been having just an outstanding season. I know Jason Tatum is going to get the MVP hype. I know Malcolm Brogdon is getting the six man of the year hype, but folks, Jalen Brown is having far and away the best season of his career and he needs some flowers for it. 27 points per game, career high rebounds, nearly a career high assists, shooting percentage is better than it ever has been. And defensively, he's turned a corner in a way that I think has been really impressive to watch. I know that the Celtics lost in a disappointing fashion to a pretty bad Houston team last night. Jalen was outstanding throughout the entire game. And I think that in general, his play needs to be a little bit more respected. And I think people need to start talking about him now as a locked in top 15 guy. He has been that good. And I think it's time that we give Jalen his flowers. Agreed. I, I don't have that much more to add in terms of things that we really want to appreciate more, but let's just appreciate the institutional culture of the Celtics as a whole, because not only do we get, you know, the, shall we say, Hall of Famers who are regularly stopping in to impart their wisdom to try to help this team that is trying to climb that mountain for its first championship, that a lot of teams don't have any championship alumni to help them up that mountain, right? Never mind willingness to participate in such things. Uh, but if you went back to media day, right, and you were told that at this point in the season, that, you know, after a short losing streak that the Boston Celtics had the second best record in the entire NBA and looked poised to compete for a title with the way things were looking on that day, uh, I think you'd be ecstatic to be in the position that Celtics fans are in right now. So while we can be critical on the game to game thing, and I keep hammering at this point, I think it's really important just to be thankful that this team was ever even able to be in this position in the first place. Um, I would also be remiss if we didn't mention specifically with regard to our guests that uh, Al Horford is also having another vintage career season and has been excellent and stepped up and done everything that the Celtics have asked him to do all year. He is now, I believe, the second best shooter by percentage from three in the NBA. That is crazy to think that Al Horford is that guy now, has fully transitioned his game into being just a sniper from deep. Um, defensively, he's been the linchpin of everything that the Celtics have been trying to do, especially with Robert Williams missing time. Horford has been essential and he's stepped up in a really major way. He's been there for basically every game that he isn't resting. Um, he's consistently been, you know, protecting the rim, doing his thing, calling out sets, making sure everybody is on the same page. He doesn't have to put up monster stats for the Celtics to win, but when he does, it's virtually guaranteed that they're going to hat tip Al Horford in another vintage season from the big fella all right and if our positivity didn't do it for you here's some negativity to maybe mellow people out um because the grass ain't always greener denver has lost three in a row uh Jokic is looking good but uh maybe that team doesn't have that much depth memphis has had a lot of injuries and that's all i'm going to say about that phoenix has also had a lot of injuries and maybe the locker room isn't as close-knit as other people uh would hope golden state can't win on the road and health is consistently concerned for them sacramento does not play defense the clippers who knows the sixers and the Cavs are cute stories but they're not deep enough let's be serious and milwaukee's milwaukee so 
uh, I don't really have anything bad to say about Milwaukee I'm, right now. I'm not, I'm not going to tolerate any King slander on this podcast. They've been outstanding. Defense or not, they're a really, really good basketball team. But the defense. Yeah, but the mm-hmm. defense. Yeah, the whole point here is, hey, Celtics fans, if you want to be negative, spread the love. Um, okay, anything else we're looking forward to this season? Awards that might be won? Uh, anything positive before we play our little game? Like, for example... I just say thing i just one thing that's like really bugged me regarding al is that every year he's made it to the playoffs he showed up you know he's been in the league for 16 years and every year people are like oh my god al horford showed up and it's like he has been doing this for almost two decades like can we stop acting surprised like and if you and you know if you haven't hadn't paid attention to him before, like that's kind of on you. But like he's been doing this. I know his three point shooting is like outrageous this year. So yeah, that's something to like get excited about. Like yeah, that's a little new, whatever. But like just the constant like shock and like also from other fan bases tweeting me like, oh, your brother's not going to shoot like that the next time we play him, and then the next time we play them, he shoots the exact same way. Leave them open. That's fine. Go for it. (laughs) Sick of that. I'm so sick of that shit. Like, just cut it out. I'm over it. I remember in I think it was December or January. He was not. He was not putting up the numbers he's putting up now, and he does that every year, pretty much. Every. (laughs) And you commented on that. I don't think people were taking you seriously, but I mean, look at the results now. Yep, it's the same lull every year. Like he's been in the league for so long, he has a pattern. Like. And he's going to crush it come playoffs. Like, we already know this. So, like, can we all stop acting surprised? Like, just, I don't know. It's it's frustrating for me, but I that's a personal issue. I get it. <laughs> I mean, as well you might. That seems like that was pretty fair. Uh, all right. Anna, not only are you Al Horford's brother, but you also host the Horford. Brother. Abby, sister. Not only is Al Horford <laughs> your brother. Sorry. Um, I, I was I'm looking at, I was looking at my notes for the next section. Um, no, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. We can edit that out. I would just, at least you didn't say it was his wife. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, how is married life going for you? Married life is great. I'm super lucky. I have a husband who is my best friend, and it's just I don't know. I mean, if I wish everyone could experience like marriage like this, it's easy. I love it. Um, and the whole family loves him, which is great. And I just, I feel like genuinely so lucky. Um, so yeah, it's been fucking awesome. Sorry. I I... No, it's... that's okay. We're past, I think we're past that point on YouTube. Um, <laughs> all right. So we wanted to lead by example. We wanted to do something fun. So we're going to do something silly, maybe quite interesting, but fun because basketball is fun. Sports are fun, et cetera, et cetera. And again, if you're one of our students, you can turn this off right now because you don't need to have this information for another four or five years. Um, We're going to take the members of the Boston Celtics and we're going to pair them to different drinks. Or if we leave a drink quite literally on the shelf, we can also fold that in. Um, I'll kind of change. Feel free to go long, feel free to go short. Um, But let's start with Jason Tatum. Anna Horford, what kind of drink would Jason Tatum be? Okay, so I've thought about this before, just in regards to all of our guys. I think Jason would be either a sex on the beach or like <laughs> one of those 
like giant fishbowl drinks that you get at the bar when you're 21. Um, you know, he's like, he's bringing the vibes ready to go. Uh, super solid. Uh, I love that. I, I have whiskey sour in my drink or something colorful. I mean, in my drink, in my notes or something colorful. Um, cause he's still on the younger side, but he likes flair. He likes fun. Um, Alex or Justin, anything for Taco J? You know, I think that's a pretty good one. I think the only, if there's like a specific St. Louis cocktail, I'm not sure that there is, but something, something of that nature. But yeah, I'd, I'd have to ask some friends about that one. But yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. Maybe a cocktail with a slice of Provel cheese cut onto the uh, edge of the, the cup. <laughs> oh, can you cut Provel cheese? It seems kind of amorphous, but anyway. That's gross. I like the sex on the beach a lot better. Um, all righty, I will, uh, I'll rotate Dr. Quinn. You get to go first. What drink is Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown. Oof. We have a list of drinks in our notes if anyone needs a drink. I feel like it needs to be something that is both refined but pretty intense. So I'm going to go with cognac. Oh, lovely. Um, Anna, you got one for, for Jalen? Um, I'm going to go with a dark and stormy. Because I could just picture him sitting in like a, a dark bar or like a jazz club just sipping on one. And Alex? You know, hmm. I, I, I feel like Jalen has a little bit of spice, maybe something with like some mezcal, a little smokiness to it, like a, a mezcal with a kind of like lime and like curacao or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, first of all, I bet he's not a standard issue cocktail. I bet he's something that has been invented only for him. Um, mm -hmm. Dr. Quinn, I went with just a shot of bourbon because mm -hmm. straightforward, strong, refined. Yep. Um, and they drink bourbon in the South and he's from Atlanta. So that's what I went with. But I, this mezcal cocktail that you're inventing for him, I like. Um, Jason Tatum, I mean, man, I'm all over the place. Marcus Smart is a Jaeger bomb. I think we can all agree. Uh, I'm happy to be wrong about that, but that felt correct. Anna, you got any thoughts? on that i immediately thought espresso martini because he's got like that energy um he's smooth you know he'll, he'll always come through for you um so so yeah espresso martini similar vein but i think marcus has got kind of a workman's style to his game and i think his drink deserves to be a kind of workman style beverage so uh, i went vodka red bull <laughs> dr quinn uh, I'm not really sure. Maybe something more like refined, but also mysterious in a Sazerac. Oh, I like that. Then down the road from Dallas where he grew up. Or he could be like a Colt 45, just like a, you worked and now you're having a drink kind of, kind of Steel drink. reserve. Yeah, Schlitz. Um, Anna, I'll go to you first for Al. What drink would Al Horford be? He is absolutely a full-bodied old, old world red, like just <laughs> yeah. As um, no no liquor involved, um, just straight up and and just classic, yeah. I, for a second, I thought you were gonna say he was absolute, and I was so shocked that, that was here. No, no, yeah, full-bodied red. I have a nice glass of scotch. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's legit. That's legit too. I, I went the same way. Just a nice, like maybe like a 
I don't know, like a Montepulciano, just like some sort of old Italian wine that has a nice vintage to it. <laughs> Alex Goldberg, that pronunciation was extraordinary. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a wine snob, whatever. It's fine. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would go with something. See, I was thinking something, you know, aged, but better when it's aged. Uh, so I was going to go with Mesco, but I'll be more specific since you already kind of took that from me uh, with an Espanol. Mm. And I know you know how to pronounce that. So, Alex, what drink. about what about Rob Williams? Uh, I think the answer to me is pretty clear for Robert Williams. That man is uh, Colt Forty Five malt liquor for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I have two dumb answers. I went with something top shelf because he could reach it, or a Long Island iced tea. Um, Anna, anything for Rob? I would probably say. Hennessy, mm. like a glass of Hennessy. I will never forget one time we went out with the Celtics and we went to a club and um it was back when Terry Rozier was on the team. Oh and my he, god. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered Hennessy, but it was just warm Hennessy in bottles out of like plastic cups. And I it I I threw up later. I mm. did. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. Uh, Dr. Quinn, anything on Rob? Jägerbomb. Yeah, something with caffeine probably makes sense. Yeah, it's, yeah something that's going to make you feel awful in the morning. Um, Derek White, I really struggled with. Does anyone have a Derek White one? I had one, but I think I'm going to save it for a different player because I think it fits a little bit better. Rum because it's smooth. You like the taste as it goes down, uh, and it's a great drink for the right kind of vibes that you want for the postseason, which will hopefully feature lots of Derek White. You know, it might actually be you might actually be onto something there, JQ. Maybe it's just something as simple as a run and a rum and coke. You know, delicious, effective, gets the job done, does everything you need it to do, and more. I'm a fan of the rum and coke. Maybe it's just that. All right, yeah, I can take it. <laughs> Um, Malcolm Brogdon. Let's talk about Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, yeah. I went with this. This is wrong because I don't like this drink, but I think as the analogy, it works. I went with like a nice buttery Chardonnay, mm. just easy, relaxed, something almost like for dessert that uh, isn't the, always the star of the show. But um, if that is your persuasion, can bring you great joy. I don't particularly like a buttery Chardonnay, but. I get where where it exists in the drinking zeitgeist. Um, Anna, what what about you for Malcolm? Yeah, I I kind of like the Chardonnay answer because because yeah, like smooth, reliable. Um, yeah, I I would probably I'm gonna steal yours and just say the same thing. Do you like a buttery Chardonnay? I love a buttery Chardonnay. There's actually <laughs> called butter. Um, oh and yeah, it, I know about that. Uh, especially if it's chilled on a summer day. Oh, so good. Yeah. I went with something a little bit more. I, I mean, I, I think you're in the right space, like the right headspace in terms of details, you know, smooth, I think kind of relaxed, but I, I, I went with something a little bit more sophisticated to acknowledge his status as, uh, you know, active member of the players union and, uh, president and all stuff like that um and so i went with the negroni i think it's a nice Ooh. effective sophisticated drink that really captures malcolm's 
calm and relaxed essence while still having an air of class and kind of flashiness about him. Sure. I'll go with Wiehenstefaner, which is my favorite beer. It is brewed by Trappist monks. It's been around yep. for a really long time, like Malcolm. No offense, Malcolm. You're still very effective, as is this beer. And it's very, very smooth. It's one of the nicest tasting beers. If you hate beer, try this beer. You'll probably like it. All right. Um, let's do Grant. Let's do the coach. And then if anyone has another one, we can shout it out. Um, for Grant Williams, I went for an Aperol Spritz. Um because it, it's pretty good. It's it's been good in the past. Maybe it's not as good as it once was, and not everyone likes it. But um, for the people who like it, it's quite good. Uh, and you know that bright orange color, like the Tennessee Vols. Anna Horford, Grant Williams. Um, I don't know. I think I kind of see Grant as maybe like a hoppy beer. Like you either oh. really love it or you hate it, but. I, I, oh, and it's all love for me, by the way, like, um, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I mean, people, people either are really into it or they're, or they're just like, eh, but, um, but yeah, I, I think a hoppy beer. There's just some, there's something about Grant for me that just doesn't work with alcoholic beverages at all. <laughs> I feel like Grant is like a Sprite. I don't know. <laughs> it just, the, it, it, it's not like a knock. I like Sprite. I think Sprite is good, but there's just something about the way he carries himself and his personality that like doesn't feel like an alcoholic beverage. It feels like a Sprite or like a ginger beer or something like that. I went with Stabenton. It is a very hard to find in the US uh, Yucatecan liquor. It has an aniseed flavor that only works in the right scenarios, much like Grant can, you know, he's good in every game he plays in, but the matchups that he gets uh, against some of the, the bigger scoring big men in the league, just perfect match. So he, you got you to gotta get him in the right scenario to really bring out the best of the liquor slash Grant. Uh, and it's got a story behind it, which I won't tell you now because it's bad podcasting, but that seems to be like the kind of thing, mythology involved. So very nerdy for Grant. All right, I can dig it. Um, I mean, we're all, yeah, Anna, it's interesting. Wine culture is so big in the NBA. I don't know that there's beer culture in the same way, but I feel like Grant would be in on that if there was. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Missoula, I have a couple of answers, but I've been going first a lot. Um, Anna, you're our guest. Do you have a Coach Missoula drink? I think he would probably be a martini. Oh, nice. Yeah, like a martini, um, extra olives. <laughs> uh, Jane or vodka? Vodka. Yeah, vodka. Martini. Um, yeah, I think that's what he'd be. I don't really have an explanation. I just, that's what my heart's telling me. Sure, I love it. Uh, Dr. Quinn. So I just went off the top of my head and went and I had to look online to see if it actually exists because I've never had one, but evidently there is a bazooka bubblegum bubble uh, cocktail recipe out there that I think would help him cope with the kicking the habit of the chewing gum. Oh, that sounds gross. <laughs> Sorry to say it, folks, but uh, both of these answers are wrong. The correct answer is a Narragansett lemon shandy, yep. little Dell's lemonade in there. My man is a Rhode Island guy. Like, let's mm. be real. Gansett. <laughs> yeah, I suspect, Alex, you're right about that. That's what I have in my notes. It's that or it's absinthe because I feel like Joe Missoula uh, would out party us all. Um, 
Jeez. I just, every so often there's moments of intensity from Joe. It's so calm. It's so, it's so much love. And then there's things that he says that are so intense that you're like, whoa, I could never be. I would go to Adam Smith for an inbound bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The tape over the mouth. Um, Okay. And Horford of the Horford Happy Hour podcast. We're going to cut you loose before we do the news, Um, but we're going to say thanks. We love having you on and hopefully we'll see you soon. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Go sees. Go sees. Adios. All right. We're going to close out the episode with a little bit of news and the hot off the presses. Anna says that Blake Griffin is a shot of tequila. Um, that's the news. That's the breaking news. Uh, All right. We're done. A new tool. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, thanks again, Anna from the Horford happy hour podcast. And from one of our more frequent guests at this point. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll, we'll talk about, we took we talked about what has happened recently, but we can get a little more specific. And there's some news, but uh, we buried the lead because it happened last night. But the Celtics played the Rockets, not very close, and then very close, and then they didn't win the game after an okay win against Atlanta. And they're going to be on the road for a little bit longer. Any thoughts about specifically that Rockets game or just this stretch? Yeah, that was bad Mozilla ball. What we yeah. saw was bad Missoula ball. It's not even Missoula ball. It's just bad basketball. And yeah. people people who are freaking out about that, uh, yes, there is a plan. Convince the Celtics they need to not attack the paint and guard the perimeter by junking it up with long athletic arms. And you have a successful formula for beating the Celtics when they don't care. Whether they care or not in the postseason will you know, go a long way to determining how far they go. I'm assuming they're going to care. So... Uh, yeah, I am not especially worried as disgusting as that game was. I watched uh, the highlights afterwards. I did not watch the game itself. But even in e- even in watching the highlights, the thing that stood out to me about that game is that for all of the great players that have been added to this roster in Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon and Derek White, for all of the work that Jalen has done to make himself into this great player, the team still is going to go as far as Jason Tatum is going to take them. And last night though the box score might tell a different story. Jason Tatum did not have a good game. He was disengaged on defense, regularly allowing easy layups and cuts that um, frankly, he should not be allowing at this point in his career. And he was shooting, but he was not shooting efficiently and he was not using his offense and the threat of his offense to create for others. Uh, and if Jason Tatum has an inefficient game in which he doesn't play defense, doesn't play defense it's going to be really hard for this team to win. That's just kind of the long and short of it. You can do as much yelling about the coaching or the supporting cast or the bench, which also was not great. But uh, at the end of the day, the team goes as Tatum goes. It's how it's been basically the whole time since he's established himself as the clear 1A franchise player for this team. If he's inefficient and he's not defending, it's going to be really hard for them to win. Yeah, and that's kind of the secret sauce to Missoula ball is we're going to take threes. We're going to take as many threes as they give us so long as they're reasonably good looks. And whether or not the shooting connects when we hustle, when we rebound, when we make the right plays in the margins, everything else works together. Everything else works fine. And last night was an, uh, an incident where they didn't shoot well from three. And uh, yeah, okay. What, what did I say? Missoula? Ma. Zula, Mizula. Sorry, I'm just giving him a hard time for Joe Mizula. Joe Mizula. I feel like it sounds even more like Montana when I say it like that. Joe Mizula. Okay, I'll just call him Joe. 
anyways, uh, Joe Ball, it, it's predicated on taking threes, hopefully hitting them, but then doing all the, the dirty things correctly. And Alex, to your point, if you're not going to defend, if you're not going to crash the glass particularly well, the, the math that is Joe Ball falls apart. And so that was an example of all of, of the, the bad things about the system coming to a head in a perfect storm. And for what it's worth, the Rockets are in disarray, but they are long, they are rangy, and they're going to get up for the best team in the league or one of the best teams in the league. So it's not great that they lost this game, but it's not unprecedented that a title contender goes into uh, the spring a little distracted and a, t- a team gets the better of them. Also, it's very clear that he's very aware, as we would expect, of these things going wrong. He doesn't seem to like trashing a la Ime Udoka, uh, his his players in public. That's just not a thing he does. So even if we're used to it now, uh, don't expect it. And he said, if you don't have the four factors under control, I'm paraphrasing, but if you don't have the four factors, then you're not going to win many basketball games, which is basically saying, if you don't do the other stuff that you were just talking about, Cam, you're not going to win games. It doesn't matter what system you're using. If you don't rebound, if you don't turn, not turn the ball over, et cetera, then you're going to lose. Yep. And to that point, just really quickly, um, the reality of the NBA in 2023 is that every team can beat you if things stack up the right way. The Houston Rockets are the worst team in the NBA, and they still have guys that can hurt you. They still have mm-hmm. Jalen Green. They still have Jabari Smith. Every team in the NBA has talent on their roster. And if you don't respect the game and if you don't play the right way, you are capable of losing to anyone on any given night. That's just the reality of the league. Um, So, you know, I think more than anything, this is not an indication of some systemic flaw for Boston. It's an indication uh, that they're not currently bringing playoff level effort. And, you know, that's probably accurate, but uh, I think that we all think that they are capable of doing that. It's just if you dog it against the Rockets, you're going to lose because the Rockets have talent. We have two bits of news to talk about, and then we'll close talking about the seating. Um, Marcus Smart was fined $25,000 after his little scrap with Trey Young um, Saturday night in what was a win for the Celtics. Uh, Trey Young's foot connected with Marcus's smarts. And Smart didn't like that. And he told Trey he didn't like that. And then they were both on the ground. And then Smart was ejected. And then he was out 25 large. So what do we think about all of that? He's not playing healthy. And he is doing stuff he used to do uh, earlier in his career when he was limited physically. So it seems like he just likes to junk stuff up when he can't do what he would like his body to do. Uh, I don't expect that to continue. And... Hopefully it won't. I, I agree with Alex earlier in the pod saying that, uh, you know, I think we can talk about the idea of, say, benching Marcus, but I don't think that's the key. Just play him less on nights where he plays, you know, pull him out a little early and put someone else in a little early. But you, you can't, at this juncture, radically restructure how the team plays and expect it to go well. And if he needs a game, you know, he needs a game. Like, I think everybody thinks that, you know, for the most part, the biggest thing for the Celtics heading into the postseason is they need to be healthy to have a shot at winning the title. Now, obviously, if Philly is creeping up on you for the two seed, that's probably something you're going to want to address. You want to have your best guys out there. But Brogdon and White have shown that they can win with this team in his stead. If Marcus needs a night off, to get back to being fully healthy so that he can play his best basketball, then Celtics should be okay giving it to him. 
a few weeks ago, it was popular to talk about Trey Young being traded this summer. And I think we can revisit that. I think it's possible. <laughs> He's not joining the Boston Celtics. Um, whoever made those jersey edits, I'm sure you worked really hard on those. They looked great. But you can go ahead and delete that file off your computer because you will not be needing defense. those. No offense. I, it's not a good fit. Not the type of player that Brad Stevens has typically gone for in the past. Oh, I disagree. He's gone for undersized point guards who can't play defense often. I don't know that that would be... Danny Ainge has gone for that. I am not sure that Brad Stevens has gone for that. I'm not sure Cameron's going for it either. Okay, anyways, uh, Damon Stoudemire, who was an assistant brought in under the Odoka regime, uh, is now leaving. He's going to coach Georgia Tech. uh, And the Celtics won't replace him this season. Should they bring in another assistant? Uh, any names if they should? It's it's funny you say that. Funny you say that. It's funny this happened the other day. Emily was like, "Who is that man?" And I was like, "Oh, that's Damon Stoudemire." And she was like, "You know, is he bummed that he didn't get the head coach job?" And I said, "Maybe, maybe he is, but I don't know. Seems fine." And now it's a non-issue because he coaches Georgia Tech. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's not a minor issue. Uh, they need to bring somebody in. I don't know if they're going to be able to find someone and get them to agree to sign on now, but I am a little concerned that the the body of knowledge on the coaching side of the equation has gotten significantly thinner heading into the postseason. Alex, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. It's all good. I think it would be logistically pretty tough to bring in somebody at this point to replace Damon. I think if it were somebody, it would have to be someone who already has a lot of familiarity with the stuff that the Celtics are running. And most of the people who do that work in assistant coaching capacity have uh, already moved on to other teams, a la Will Hardy and others. Um, If there is one player, one former player who could potentially come back and be a coach with a little bit of experience. I do think I know they where you're going want, with this. They might want let's to all give... say it at, let's all say it on three. Ready? All right. One, One, two, two three. three. Evan, Evan Turner. Turner. <laughs> they they I do think it wouldn't be crazy to bring Evan Turner in, give him a call and see if he's doing anything. Obviously, Evan Turner seems like he's enjoying his life a good deal right now and might not want to take on the stress of being an NBA assistant coach. But if we're looking for people who could step in and be an immediate replacement for Damon Stoudemire, Evan Turner would be the guy that fits the bill. ET phone home. And it could, we could link podcasts, which is ultimately what this is all about. All right. So I think the thesis for this podcast was let's all relax a little bit. There are things to be specific about and worried about and considerate about, but let's try to have some fun. Um, which is to say, let's close on what maybe is a little bit of a dire note. Where are we at with the seeding situation? The Celtics are slipping behind the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're two and a half, three games behind the Bucks at the time of this recording and a game up on the Sixers. Alex, you teased that, but how important is the two or the one seed for you? I think the one seed is increasingly less important for me than health. I think the two seed is and should be considered more important. Um, I don't think it's the case that the Celtics would lose a series to Philly, even if they were the three seed. I still feel pretty comfortable in that scenario, but you don't want to roll the dice with a game seven on the road, especially against Joel Embiid. Uh, I do think that the two seed and holding on to the two seed for me is a higher priority than chasing the one seed. And I would definitely like to see them do that. 
I couldn't agree more. I think at this point, you want to make sure you don't lose the two seed. And if you do that, then you will still have a fighting chance at the one seed if Milwaukee stumbles late or rests, which they may. Yeah, I I kind of hope that it's a non-issue insofar as game sevens don't pop up all that much. Um, if there's a team that's prepared to play a bunch of game sevens, it's a team as deep as the Boston Celtics, but hopefully it's not really an issue and maybe it's just a thing about a pride and you know what they say, Marcus Smart, take two weeks off and we're just, we're going to even remove the concerns about seeding so the players don't have to uh, be bothered with that, but we will see. Um, Boston's on the road for quite a bit longer um, and so we will hopefully see them I mean, they're still a pretty good road, road team. Um, hopefully we see them find success on the road and then we'll be back for the tail end of the regular season. I mean, the regular season ends at the beginning of April. Anyways, I want to remind you that this episode of the Celtics Out Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network, and by BetterHelp, professional therapy with a licensed therapist. You deserve to be happy. Please like and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Check out our March Madness hat giveaway bracket challenge TM and we will catch you next week thanks again to Anna Horford from the Horford Happy Hour podcast I'm just stalling so Justin has longer work to do on the editing good job adios <laughs>